This is Liam O'Brien, the voice of Caius, and you are listening to Final Fantasy Union. Welcome to another very special Final Fantasy Union interview. I'm your host, Lauren, and I'm here with Brian. Howdy, howdy! And now we have a very, very, very special guest. Another person from Final Fantasy 13 Part 2, Mr. Liam O'Brien. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. Oh, so <laughs> oh, exciting. It's definitely our pleasure to have Caius on the show. It's totally yes. awesome. You know, honestly... Um, just thinking about having this interview, I, I have to be honest, I did have a little bit of a nerdgasm, uh, and I'm trying really hard not to geek out right now, so Liam, I apologize in advance, it's going to be pretty rough. Well, yeah. what will make it easier is if you both know that I, uh, at the ripe age of 35, am still a nerd myself. Oh <laughs> yay! Geek out on all, all of the, I have more muscles than I used to when I was younger, but I'm still a geek, and geek out on all the, the work that I get to do, so. Yay, be a geek! We're kindred spirits. Yes, definitely. Uh, well, we've got a uh, quite a few questions to get through this time, don't we, Lauren? Yeah, oh, definitely a ton. All of our fans on the site have been asking us like just a ton of questions. It's been so great. And um, quite a few of them had compliments and had all the best things to say to you, Liam. And it was... Yeah, it's really cool. Um, so... But, but see, the good thing is that he, he knows how awesome he is. We know how awesome he is. Yeah, it's true. No, I'm more like Woody Allen. I'm filled with self-doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, I said that out loud. Dang it. Oh, oh no. no. Edit, edit. Yes, abort. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we've got a lot of questions, and we know your time is precious, so we're just going to jump right in. Mm-hmm. All right, so this first question is, was there anyone specific in your life that inspired you to become a voice actor, like a teacher or um, family member or someone? You know, there was no one person that I met or knew that sent me down that path. I mean, there was a teacher who sent me into acting. There was a man named Jack Campion who was my English teacher and uh, our director when I was in high school. And he single-handedly shoved me down this road. So I would thank him for sort of putting me on the path to becoming an actor. But as far as voice acting goes, um, it never really occurred to me. I mean, I was watching uh, plenty of animation and anime dubs. And um, I was a big fan of uh, Akira and Ghost in the Shell. But had never thought, even when I was starting to realize I want to be an actor, I never really put the two things together. <laughs> um, but I have always been inspired. I was one, one performance that I loved when I was younger was um, you guys remember the, the animated Hobbit? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's one of my favorites of all time. The, the Gollum in that made me want to be an actor. Really? Um, when I was young. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what I wanted to do with my life and um, I mean, I'd watched that my whole life and I think somewhere in the middle of high school watching that for the, maybe the 20th time <laughs> I thought, wait a minute! I, I'm a, I'm I'm an actor now, and he's an, he, he could do. I could put the chocolate and the peanut butter together. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just kind of clicked so, right then, didn't it? Right. Well, the thought did, and then many years went by without getting an audition for any any kind of voiceover whatsoever. I stumbled in later. There was a period in like late high school, early college, where I thought, oh, I'm gonna 
I'm going to get, I'm going to start working on anime dubs and I'm going to branch into voiceover. And I kind of pecked away at it for a year and nothing really happened. I was doing theater, but nothing happened with voiceover. So I forgot about it. And then uh, almost by accident, totally by accident, I was doing a play years later with uh, another really good actor in VO named Crispin Freeman. And uh, he was, I was doing a four-man version of Romeo and Juliet, and I tell this story all the time. <laughs> he was uh, the nurse in Tybalt, I was Juliet, and every day he would show up with a nerdy anime t-shirt on. Uh, <laughs> and, but I would recognize at least half of them, and uh, we just became friends then, and he hooked me up with an audition, and I fell down the rabbit hole. Wow. Well, you know, along those same lines, who else within the industry, the voice acting industry, would you say that you kind of look up to and kind of find inspiration from? Not necessarily in how you do your voices, but just you look to them and say, wow, they're being able to do that. How can I kind of do this myself? Um, I actually have uh, take a lot of pleasure uh, in the fact that from the fact that I work with some of the people that I looked up to and sort of idolized when I was a very young actor. Yeah. Um, I work all the time uh, now with Mary Elizabeth McGlynn mm-hmm. and Steve Bloom. Um, Mary Elizabeth McGlynn is a voice actor and a voice director. She directs everything, Naruto, plenty of other things. She's the voice of the major in Ghost in the Shell. Um, and Steve Bloom, and she directed Cowboy Bebop back in the day. And Steve Bloom, uh, who is everything now, he's the voice of Wolverine. He was the yeah. voice of Spike when in Bebop when I was a kid. And oh, I wow. looked up to her directing work and his performance in that a great deal. Wow. And now years later, I'm sitting next to I, – I sat, I've sat next to Steve in recording sessions for Wolverine and the X-Men. Mary directs me on a regular basis. I've directed Mary. Wow. Uh, wow. So the fact that I – that I went from being a kid looking up to these guys and then just sort of like entering the clubhouse and playing with them has been huge for me. That's <laughs> oh, so, so awesome. And then, I, you know, other names, other more recent names. So those were people I knew over a decade ago or knew of. Sure. Recently, I would say that um, a voice director I take a lot of pleasure working with is Jack Fletcher. Yeah. Uh, he directed yeah. the voiceover for Final Fantasy uh, you know, he directed me as Caius, and yeah. he's directed many of the major Final Fantasies of, of recent years. He also directed the dub for Princess Mononoke, which is my favorite Miyazaki and one of my favorite films. Oh, yeah, oh, definitely. So now he's a, a friend and a, and a peer, too, and I, I love his work, and I love being directed by him. And um, I would say a recent person I'm inspired by is uh, Jennifer Hale's performance in Mass Effect, which I've only just started playing. I mean, I've seen clips and trailers over the years and and knew she was good but uh i'll tell you recently i I started playing mass effect 2 i got in at 2 uh just because everyone's i wanted to catch up for three yeah (laughs) yeah so i started at two and um i'm finding myself you know being a veteran of the industry uh being blown away uh by her performance yeah go go femme chef i i freaking love her i i make her a renegade like kind of like a harsh but fair and it's just so epic (laughs) (laughs) I really I need to try my... a femme chef. I really do. Oh, yeah. You totally do. She pants. I mean, the other guy's fine, but yeah. she's, she is nuanced and brilliant. So do you want good or do you want brilliant? You want brilliant. I want brilliant. And I, and I want I want my, my three-year-old daughter, I want her to be studying femme chef, not Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty. Oh. <laughs> stay away from her. So. Oh, parents, pa- parents everywhere. Take that advice. That's fantastic no advice. No unrealistic expectations about men and hair from <laughs> Disney. She just has to learn how to use automatic weapons and uh, zero gravity and stuff like that. Oh, she'll be set for life. 
<laughs> I think that's, you know, question number three or four in a standard interview. So can you shoot in zero gravity? <laughs> yeah, totally. Which way is up? Which way is up? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, when voicing a new character, like after the audition, how do you prepare for that role? Do you uh, research the character nationality-wise, history, personality, or... Um, like, do you rely mostly on yourself for information, or do you rely mostly on the director? Well, no two jobs are the same in that respect. Most of the time, all the time, you re- re- rely heavily on the voice director because they are either the director of the whole game or they're the, a voice director who's in very close contact with the, the developers and knows everything. And you as an actor are just coming in and getting things explained to you on the fly. But there's some jobs, you know, for an animated series, you get scripts in advance. Um, if I ever audition for something from a comic book or something from Lord of the Rings or something that's an existing property and I don't recognize who it is, I'll get online and figure out who, like, I didn't know anything much about Electro before I got cast as Electro in one of the Spider-Man games, um, Web of Shadows. So I got online and, you know, Google is a great thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then there's I've done mocap work too, where we've had to memorize lines, and I've done like military mocap, and I'm, and this was before I was even exercising, so I was a skinny little string bean. <laughs> um, uh, but I was, you know, watching YouTube videos of military uh, maneuvers and the way the guys act on the field in Afghanistan and Baghdad, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but most of the time, I would say at least fifty percent of the time. You, you knock out an audition quickly from your agent's office, you forget about it, and then four weeks later you get a call to go in somewhere and someone's like, okay, all right, you're a centaur with a slightly Arabian flair and <laughs> someone is trying to uh, uh, steal your holy relic, go. And so you're just kind of you're just kind of winging it and they're saying, well, but there should be a little more aggressive or this guy is your, dear, he, you know, he, he's like a brother to you, so you put a little more oomph into it or whatever the case may be. A lot, a lot is put into... Uh, uh, the, the director's hands. Really? Wow. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. You know, let's say just for a second that you were not a voice actor. Um, what do you think you would end up doing if you if you weren't voice acting? Uh, well, if you're asking me what I would do now, you know, if I suddenly got some sort of like a, I don't know, genetic disease that robbed <laughs> me of my voice or pardon me, <laughs> me sound like a frog, I would just lean full tilt into voice directing. I mean, I really? do a a decent amount of voice directing. I'm good at it. I'm easy to work with, which is, you know, the key to success. <laughs> and, um, I mean, I've, I've directed uh, the VO for Resident Evil 5, um, Resident Evil Darkside Chronicles, a host of Naruto games. So I've got plenty of experience under the belt. I like it. Second best, maybe, only to, you know, the acting. Yeah. So I would just lean into that full tilt. If I had whisked out and not become an actor, I would probably be in Connecticut teaching a college class or something at really? this point. There, yeah, there was a moment where I didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought, eh, go to college to be an actor? That's what well, that's not going to pan out. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, all right, I, yeah. got, I got into Wesleyan. I got into Wesleyan. I'll go. I'll study East Asian studies, and I can just t- teach that. That's what I'll do. Uh, F it. Uh, F it. I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be an actor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my parents totally. just dropped dead from a heart attack. Okay. No, they're alive. They're alive. Okay. Okay. I'm still going to school. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank goodness you stayed in voice acting. Yes, definitely. Um, and along that line, uh, what was it like to voice someone like Caius? Was it different from any of the other roles that you have um, taken on? And how would you compare him to the other roles that you have done? I wouldn't say he's... I mean, don't get me wrong. I've, I, I love the Final Fantasy universe, and I 
dorked out on Final Fantasy VII when that came out. <laughs> yeah. Younger. Um, and it's a huge badge of honor for me to, to play him. I loved playing him. Um, and I love being in, in, you know, one of the big tentpole Final Fantasy games. It's, the game is, looks beautiful. Um, but I wouldn't say that he's the most um, standout, you know, unique character I've ever voiced. He probably has some vocal quality, at least, vocal quality, at least, uh, in common with War from Darksiders, although yeah. War War was a lot angrier. A little bit. Um, Caius is just, you know, he's resolute, he's firm of purpose, but he, he's very even keel the whole game. He really mm-hmm. is. You know, he never flies out of control at any point. Um, yeah. And I just enjoyed, I enjoyed doing it. I enjoy the Jack Fletcher. I love working with him, and I like a lot of people on the cast, and it was, uh, you know, it was a dream job. Most of my jobs are dream jobs. The only ones are not are when I'm screaming grenade all day. All the other, <laughs> all the other ones are dream jobs. So we, we know that you enjoyed playing Caius. Let me ask you this. At the end of the process, did you feel more or did you continue to feel more and more connected to him, attached to him, to his character and his backstory as you went along recording him? I did to an extent. I will say that the the... Have you guys both played all the way through? We sh- I have. Lauren, have you? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> but you have. Well, I it's have. It's confusing. It's confusing, right? Uh, just a little bit. A little bit. Okay. It was more confusing for us when we didn't have total backstory. Yeah. And we were getting scenes that were, you know, semi-finished and the script was still getting worked on. And occasionally I'd say, well, wait, why is he... Wait, are we in the... Is this come before or later? <laughs> uh, and the answer would occasionally be, not sure, not sure. Oh. Uh, here's how they did it in Japanese, and we would study sort of the temperament uh, of, of their performance because we knew that if, if we were at least in the ballpark of what they were doing on the Japanese side, and, and on the Japanese side, they had the creators right there, so they knew exactly. what they wanted, that mm-hmm. we would sound right. So I would say it was a, a little bit labyrinthine. Sure. Um, uh, but definitely, I mean, I've worked on him for... I think half a year. Wow, um, uh, well, a little at a time. You know, it's it's not uncommon. Uh, it's not an uncommon story to hear voice actors when they're talking about kind of an epic project like this that they really at the time don't even know how substantial their role actually is within the story as a whole. And and when you were doing this, did you know that Caius was going to be the main villain of the story? Oh yeah, yeah, I definitely knew that. Um, <laughs> I mean, from the from the audition sides alone, I could tell that he was a major player. They, there was some character art that was in there, and I had a, soon after that the sketch. Um, you know how there's the beautiful um, artwork for every single Final Fantasy yeah, title. Yeah, the yeah, sketch really. of Lightning and Kai's came out. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, and it was explained to me. So I mean, I've, I've been sitting on it for you know for a year and um, looking forward to it hitting. And I hopefully will have time to play it because I have two kids and work and uh, run around like a chicken with my head cut off most of the time. (laughs) Well, um, out of all the characters that you have voiced, Caius included, which character do you feel like your personality matches the closest to your own? I'm not trying to imply that you're a villain. (laughs) Stretch the imagination now. Oh, aren't I? He he (laughs) could Um, be an evil genius. We don't know. That's very true. He could be. I'm Moonlight. Um... (laughs) I, yeah, I've been asked this once or twice, so I have a couple stock answers to it. Um, the the two that I think are closest to me are um, n- neither of them are from uh, the the two that I give all uh, I've started to give are not from video games; they're from animation. Okay. Um, there's a a Satoshi Kon anime series I worked on called Paranoia Agent. Do either of you, or either of you? I've heard of that? that. I think I, I definitely heard of that. 
All right. Well, it's the same guy who made Millennium Actress and um, Perfect Blue. They're very trippy, oh. acid trip, crazy yeah. stories. Um, Perfect Blue has some awesome cinematography. Oh, it's a great movie. Didn't Requiem for a Dream? Uh, didn't uh, they take a scene uh, from that for Requiem for a Dream? Oh, I hadn't heard that. I, I think they did. But anyways, um, continue. Well, they did one. So he's mostly known for his movies, or he is known for his movies. But he did one series called Paranoia Agent, and it was about. Uh, a series of uh, murders and there's a pair of detectives who are trying to figure out the case but it's it's very Twin Peaksy. you know it's not just like a cop show it's two detectives who wander into nutso land and and that that detective he's young he was about my age at the time or my age now even somewhere in between and he was that was the most just me talking wow um and then i don't speak in a german accent but the other one is nightcrawler from wolverine and the x-men I mean, oh I think my gosh <laughs> if i were imbued with with mutant powers and i had i could spring off the wall like a, an olympic gymnast i think my temperament um is the same as his you know he's reserved he can be strong he can he's sarcastic and wry uh but but reserved and i think not that i don't ever act like a doofus but uh, <laughs> i don't know i felt at home in his blue skin well, not to be completely biased, but he is one of my favorite characters of the X-Men series anyway. Like, I, I just love him. He kind of hits he, he, he hits the full spectrum of emotion and just kind of a mm-hmm. character type, and that's what I think I like most about him. Yeah, yeah he's one totally. of the two two roles in my my uh, career that, that I landed the job that I wanted when I was auditioning. Oh, wow. I wanted Nightcrawler. When I saw the sides, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll play anything for the X-Men. I can't wait, but... <laughs> The one that I want is Nightcrawler and booked it. The other instance is uh, the anime and uh, and the 30 games that have spawned from it. Uh, Naruto, I play Gara, mm-hmm. who's a little red-haired 10-year-old uh, murderer, or at least he is when he's <laughs> And I wasn't familiar with him like I was of Nightcrawler, but when I started watching the sample footage they had and, and reading the sides, I thought, oh, yeah, this is this is the one. And normally you go in and go, yeah, this is the one. I'm going to book this one. And then you never get a phone call. You never get yeah. it. So, yeah. So... Well, hey, you, so you, you, you got of, to be a 13-year-old murderer. That's that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, twice. You can check that once off twice. the bucket list. And once when he was 10. <laughs> <laughs> so um, who of the like Final Fantasy-specific characters that you've voiced is your favorite? Oh, Caius. Definitely Caius. Caius. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I loved... When we did Advent Children, and mm-hmm. I auditioned for a whole range... You know, I, I auditioned for seven or eight parts in that, and was thrilled when I found out that I'd been cast as Red 13 and then they brought me in. I didn't find out until I came in that I had a single line in it. Oh, so wow. it was bittersweet. I was like, yeah, 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 one line. Okay, let's let's get it. He's right. still badass. <laughs> sure, sure, Red sure. 13 is still awesome. Mm-hmm. And I liked uh, um, my other purple-haired uh, villain as well, um, but there wasn't as much meat to uh, chew, it, chew on as there was with Kaya's. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, really, you you must have been recording him for just ages and ages, just just session after session after yeah, session. Yeah, they kept saying, "All right, this is the last one." <laughs> okay, all right, I'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Isn't that always the case. <laughs> well, believe it or not, we actually have a, a really big tales fan following uh, on our site, and you know the the fans really want to know what it was like to be the voice of Diz in the franchise. Can you tell us a little bit about voicing that character? Yeah, that that one was a ways back, so I won't remember specifics. I don't have any <laughs> zingers that are going to come to mind, but. 
when I get to play, and I used to play parts like just a lot more in the first half of my decade of voiceover. I used to play fops and perverts and cowards and weirdos. Wow. <laughs> and somehow, slowly, I've shifted into deeper demigod and soldier, and I still do comedy once in a while, but I was I really did like a lot of <laughs> all the time. And it's it's just fun to chew the scenery. So um I think I started maybe a little more subtle and I went, oh no, 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 no. Push it way over the top and that's saying game on to an actor if you get to just sort of spiral up and down. Oh yeah. <laughs> so uh what was it like to work with uh, Square Enix? Obviously you worked with like a ton of um, companies over the, under the sun uh, but what was it like specifically to work for a company like Square Enix? Uh, well I work with a lot of Japanese companies um, I would say that the Square, if they were if they stood out in any specific way it's that they were more intimate. Uh, I've worked for Capcom and Konami and uh, many more um, and usually there's a, a small committee uh, of uh, people from the company coming in from overseas yeah. but with uh, with this past Final Fantasy with Advent Children with other Square games I've worked on it's always been uh, an American voice director who I've known and uh, maybe one person from the company who's you know, steering the performances to be somewhat in line with what they did overseas Wow, um, that's the only real way I mean it's all just playing in the sandbox uh, no matter where I go but I would say that that different exists well, you know, j- just as an interesting side question, what is it like, or is there a major difference between working with um, a Western uh, company or corporation versus an Eastern uh, company when it comes to the voice acting and the way it's approached? There are a lot of ways it's different. Japanese localization is a very intricate and tricky process, mm-hmm. and uh, I've seen varying degrees of success over the years. <laughs> it it depends have, on... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of factors at play. It depends on how much time. Oftentimes, we'll get a game, not the big budget ones, Final Fantasy. We, we did it right and spent the time and oh, yeah. could talk about what things meant and try to understand things as much as we could. But I've worked on games where the budget's very small mm-hmm. and they have just enough time to do two takes, maybe. Wow. And so you do two and they pick their favorite. And you know, not that, you know, you'll do 20 lines in a row, two takes each, because one of them works fine. And then you'll yeah. get one that's weird. The performance is way off base because you don't really understand what's going on because you're moving so fast. They'll say, no, 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 no. That guy killed your sister. Oh, okay. Well, then that just wants <laughs> to be totally different. Um, there's also, oftentimes, Japanese localization is just a, a matter of cut and paste. They will play us. I'll go in, and the whole session will be, all right, here's the line in Japanese. <laughs> and your line has to be the same length or shorter. Uh, <laughs> oh, it wow. can be shorter. It can't go longer. And oftentimes, and you'll know this from playing the games, oftentimes an attack maybe in Japanese will be, Papa, you know, two syllables or something. And then the English on the page will be, Prison blast from the Arctic winds, <laughs> <laughs> and we're not allowed to go over. So we'll try a bunch of where we're racing, going prison blast from the Arctic winds, and it sounds crazy. <laughs> and sometimes lines like that, sped read like that, will make it in the game. Other times they'll say, no, no, we got to make it shorter and just become. It'll become die. You know, I'm dumbing it down, but that happens a lot. Wow. Uh, when I work on games in the in the West. The timing's never an issue. It's not localizing. I know this yeah. must happen in reverse. You know, if they take Gears of War or Skyrim over to Japan, they're yeah. they're probably doing the same thing. They're they're replacing timed audio files with new audio files, but yeah. there's only so much room on the disc to put them in, so they can't go longer. Exactly. Localization in any direction is a 
hard beast to wrangle. Oh, wow. Yeah, totally. Wow. So the sky, a little more the sky's the limit when I'm working on Western games because they're figuring it out for the first time ever as we go along. We're not matching something that was made you know, six to nine months ago. That yeah, actually, definitely. That, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Well, you know, you've told us that you that you are uh, a nerd and a geek just like us and that you are a bit of a gamer. Just out of curiosity, when you are playing games in your spare time, uh, what games do you find yourself playing the most? I'm more of a role-playing nerd. Um, I do a little, a little online play with friends occasionally, but that tends to bite into my solo, you know, campaign runs on things. Uh, I lo- some of my favorite games of all time have been uh, Legend of Zelda: Wind Waker, um, Castlevania: Symphony of the Night. Ooh. I love the Metal Gear games. I, I generally <laughs> my gaming is a solitary affair. I'm playing Mass. I, I think I said I'm playing Mass Effect Two right now. I'm probably going to move on to um, Arkham. Asylum or Ooh. Skyrim, I both have. I have a, a pile of about 20 games that I buy and go... <laughs> pile of shame. Pile of shame is what we call it. I think to myself, solidarity with the industry. I can't wait to listen to my peers. And I've had stuff sitting under my TV for, for like a year and a half. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Waiting they, for me to get to it. They, they just turn into dust collectors, don't they? Oh, uh, they <laughs> Well, you know, do you find yourself playing the games that you have voiced a character in? Or is that kind of like a no-no for you? No, not at all. When I first got into the business and I wasn't working a lot in games, I'd get, didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter if it was terrible. I'd get it because I'd had to, it was, you know, it was magic. It's still magic, but I was brand new to it. Now I'm in a lot of the games, but I don't have time, so I sort of cherry pick. But I do a lot of uh, utility work, too. I mean, I play in Uncharted. I'm in Uncharted 3. Uh, You Mm. occasionally will hear an Irish thug going, screw you, Drake! And that's my contribution to Uncharted 3. So I definitely (laughs) haven't heard that. Um, uh, So normally I'm hearing that kind of thing. The last game where I played the lead that I played through was Darksiders. Mm, Okay, cool. Well, did you ever go through a point in time where it was hard to hear yourself in something that you've done? Or has it always just been... It's just kind of like, oh, it's black magic. How's my voice in there? I got to hear it, you know? It's usually hard for me to listen to. Really? Um, I have trouble suspending disbelief for myself. <laughs> and, and, for, and for a lot, well, because I know what I, I know who I am. I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I don't weigh three tons. What's going on? <laughs> and it happens with friends, too. Um, I remember playing an older Castlevania game, not one that I was in, but the, the lead was this uh, long-haired, gorgeous man, and he had a great voice. And and uh, but I recognized the voice right away. I was like, Ah, that's I know him. He's super short and has no hair. <laughs> uh, so the illusion gets blown a lot. It, you know, it's not. It hasn't ruined my experience. I still love gaming, but I would definitely have that layer there all the time. I'll go up oh, there's Laura Bailey. Bailey, hello, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> and I imagine at some point, you know, if you're playing a game or listening to something that you've done, you can remember. Oh wait, I remember actually saying that line and remember what I was doing when I said it. Yeah, and I imagine yeah, that, but, that might hurt a little bit. It does, and you also always think, Oh, I should have hit. That word, obviously. <laughs> now that I know that we're standing on a cliff and he's got his hands around my neck, oh. I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Right. <laughs> oh. Well, going along with that, um, what was your favorite Caius line? Um, I think well, he talks a lot about uh, inevitability. I think my favorite line was sort of a throwaway and he says it several times in the game he says impressive and the only time he says that is when he wants to be a douche to like <laughs> <So. laughs> 
<laughs> Wait, saying impressive and uh, r- rubbing poo into Allie Hillis's face. Metaphor. Because <laughs> when he said it, he only kind of meant it. Not, not bad for training wheels. Come at me. <laughs> uh, what, what's horrible now is that anytime I hear him say that line, I'm only going to be thinking, you're such a douche. That's all yes. I'm going to think now. I love it. I love it. Uh-huh. You, no, you, uh, think David Bowie. Just think David Bowie. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You, you know, I think what we need now is we need to hear you actually say impressive in the Kai's voice. Mm-hmm, definitely. All right. Um, impressive. <laughs> awesome. What a Whereas douche. if I do it in my own voice, it's more <laughs> impressive. Um, <laughs> you're very good at that sword. <laughs> Would you like to go on a date with him? No? Okay, I'll just go back. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, you, you know what? I, I would love to hear in that voice, I'd love to hear you say kind of in the cartoony voice, Change if you change the future, you change the past. Can we hear that in, the, in a cartoony voice? Um, yeah, if you change the future, you change the past. <laughs> I wish we had more questions, but I tell I you what, you have given us just a fountain of information. I love it. Oh, Definitely. Man. All right. Well, that's it for the interview. Uh, you can subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes store. All you have to do is search Final Fantasy, and we are number one. Number one, baby. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, you can catch every episode of Final Fantasy Union at FinalFantasyUnion.com, along with all of our Final Fantasy news coverage and interviews. Yeah! All right, well, it is time to say goodbye. Oh, I really don't want to. I know. This is such a great interview. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It was my oh, pleasure. Thank Although you. It's, it's very hot in my closet, so in that respect, I'm happy to open the door and get it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll oh, gosh, that could lead to box. a whole nother thing of Caius coming out of the closet <laughs> and just... Over and over again. Repeating through time. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, well... I am Lauren, and I am reluctantly saying goodbye, and this has been a TweaksMusic.com and FinalFantasyUnion.com production. <laughs>